Hi and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. You're good. 
gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you are
surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. Sing that out. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. You have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood flows through my veins. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God, and I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. Sing that again. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am child of God. Come on, just declare that. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God. Oh, you've adopted us, Lord. Surrounded by the arms of the Father, and I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. And
could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. You split the sea. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Because I'm no longer a slave. Because I am a child of God. Sing that with childlike faith. Because I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm full of faith. I'm full of love. Yeah, you fill us up, Lord, with who you are. We take on your nature, Lord. We take on your nature, Lord. I want to look like you, Lord. I want to be like my daddy in heaven. I just want to look like you, Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Since we've been born again into the family, his blood flows through our veins. It's that same DNA. We've been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And as we renew our minds, we begin to look like Jesus, we're going to take on the image of our Father. Hallelujah. Because I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. Because I songs of deliverance we've been liberated from our bondage fear now we are sons and daughters our freedom oh, 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 
so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowning perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. Oh, yes, I am a child of
If you're near your children, just put your hands on them for a moment. Father, we thank you for this evening. God, I think you are sealing their destinies tonight. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We desire to see you move. Thank you, Jesus. God, I think you desire to transform families 
in this place, God. room specifically, I saw heaven and all these electrical wires coming from heaven and like surge outlets and um, just wires directly from heaven and they were each plug or each outlet was on each family and I just feel the word electrifying. Um, God is electrifying these families in this church to be his power on this on this earth. His kingdom come. How does his kingdom come? Through us. He lives inside of us. And when a family is on fire for, for God and for bringing his world to the lost, that is a massive power source. Oh my goodness. Like, this family's charged up. This family's charged up. It's just like we are all an army together. But just to continually stay connected on our end. His kingdom is always coming. His kingdom is always, always, always here. It is here. And so it's just an awesome picture that we are all constantly connected with him. His, he is constant. His power is constant. And it's raging and electrifying. So... Man, that's really good. Just say, Jesus, electrify me. <laughs> okay, now really say it. Jesus, electrify me. Come on. That's all we need right there. Thanks, God. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thank you, guys. Will you be ready to come up in a little bit for me at the end? Okay. Will you guys say thank you to our, the worship team? Man, amazing. I love it. Wow. Some churches I go to don't feel the same as this one. Like I sit here most of the time in worship just getting thoughts and ideas and, and um, revelation and there's something really special here. When when worship when you guys worship, there's like open heaven downloads available. Like I had to sit there half the time just writing notes on what God was showing me and talking to me. And that's special. Not every church has that. This is like I love it. It's like here comes heavenly information. Wow. Are you guys doing good? Yeah? How many of you were here this morning? Just the adults. How many of you weren't here this morning? All right. <clears throat> we're going to talk about the Bible. Kind of an important thing to talk about. Kind of an important thing for kids to love. 
Kind of an important thing for kids and us to understand a few things about the Bible. And one of the verses I talked about this morning was Psalm 119.11 that says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's every parent's heart for their child that we, we would grow up and not sin against God. So we need his word hidden in our hearts. Most people think that verse means, your word have I memorized in my mind. I don't know about you kids, but when I went to kids' church, I always had memory verses. Who gets memory verses? I love memory verses. I give memory verses to children. I believe in memory verses. But if it only goes in our minds, that's not what God wants for us to just remember it in our minds. He wants us to hide it in our hearts. So that's what I'm going to teach you about tonight. But first, we're going to talk about a little bit about the Bible. The Bible has a lot of authors. It is 66 different books. Kids, say 66. Have any of you kids ever read the whole Bible? No. Oh, you guys have? Come on. The whole thing? That's a lot of reading. How many of you adults have ever read the whole Bible? Okay, all right. I want to show you something about the Bible. Not quite yet. Hold on. Don't put it up yet. The Bible is 66 different books written over thousands and thousands of years from all these different authors. So it's not just one author. God inspired people with the Holy Spirit to write it, but there's a lot of different authors in here at a lot of different times in their life. There's a lot of different kinds of writing. There's like history, and then there's letters, and then there's prayers, and then there's songs, and then there's gospels, and there's all these stories and testimonies. This book is huge, and here's what this book can feel like, not just to us kids, but also to the adults, this is what the Bible can feel like. How am I supposed to understand this giant book? Oh, my goodness. So this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to actually unlock the book. What I'm going to teach you kids tonight and adults, most adults do not understand what we're about to learn. Most adults live their whole life like that. The book is scary. The book is big. The book is locked. I don't know how to unlock it. I don't know how to open it. I don't know how to understand it. I just pretend like I, there's some stuff. I just read right past it because it's so interesting. But the Bible, to make it really simple, the Bible is a book about who? Kids, somebody kid, answer me. Who's the Bible a book about? God. It's a book about God. And the Bible says God is love. And the Bible says God shows us his love. This is what we talked about last night. God shows us his love that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So how does God show us his love? Some kid tell me. Through dying on the cross. So God shows us his love, but God is love. So God shows us who he really is by what? Dying on the cross. The cross is the key that opens the Bible. 
All right, whatever. You guys are looking at me like you're all really quiet. Look, if we're not careful, kids, let me explain something to you. Very important, very, very important. If you read the story of Noah's Ark, here's what you get. How many of you have read the story of Noah's Ark? Kids, do you know the story of Noah's Ark? Adults, do you know the story of Noah's Ark? Okay, so let's pretend we read the story of Noah's Ark. And I believe the story was true. I believe the story happened. So we're over here. We read the story of Noah's Ark and we come out of kids' church or we come out of something like this and we get in the car and mom says, Oh, little Seth, what did you learn in kids' church today? And I say, Mom... I learned about Noah's Ark. Ooh, cool, good story. Wow, that's a crazy story. Animals two by two. Tell me what you learned from Noah's Ark, little Seth. You know what I would tell my mom? Mom, I learned that God kills people for their sin. But then I go to church another day and I come out of church. Little Seth comes out of church and I get in the back seat of the car and my mom says, little Seth, what did you learn in kids church? And I say, mom, I learned about Jesus dying on the cross. Oh, wow. That's a good story. Little Seth, tell me what you what you understand from that story. I understand that mom. God let us Kill Jesus for our sins. Can you go to that third picture, the white one with the two different pictures on it? I want you to look up here, kids. I want you to try and figure out the differences. If you see a difference in the left picture to the right picture, I want you to raise your hand. No, don't even raise. Yes, green. Tell me a, tell me a difference. Oh, four ducklings. Yeah, so here, there's four ducklings here and only three there. All right, someone else give me. Yes. And that one's a boy. The boy's got boots, the girl does not. So two different, you got two and one right there. Yes. Oh, and on the right side, the sun is up. Quick, another one. Who? Yes. There's no hand. You. These guys, right? Okay. Yes. Barn doors open. Gotcha. That's right. Oh, wait. Yeah. They kind of look the same, except one. Maybe they are both girls. Maybe they, I don't know. Their face, their mouth looks different, too. Yes. Oh, different seasons. Wait, so one has a door shut. One has a door open. One has a different season than the other one. Okay, all right. I see it. One's nighttime. One's daytime. Yes, sir. Wait. You're not a sir, are you? I'm sorry, young lady. You're a young lady. Yes, young lady. Tell me again. It's hard for me to see that far sometimes. Can you say it louder for me?
oh, yeah, there's a big chicken on this side and not on that side, huh? There's a hen. Mama hen? No hen. Let's see. Anybody else? Do you guys see them all? If there's any ones we haven't called out, now is your chance to raise your hand. Yes. Four little duckies, three little duckies. Yep. Yep, different seasons of the tree. On the other, that's right. Last one, last one. Yes. There's. Oh! The mother hen has transformed into a chick. We didn't see that before. All right, grown-ups, grown-ups, are there any differences you see that the kids haven't seen? You see one that, which one? The what? Oh, it is in a, oh man, she saw one none of the kids saw. Come on. All right, all right. So we found a lot of differences between these two pictures. This reminds me of the difference between Noah's Ark and Jesus on the cross. Are you with me? Are you paying attention? Look, what I'm about to tell you, most adults do not understand. If you children can figure this out, even if you don't read yet, this will help you so much. So much. Look very close. When we read the Bible, there are going to be things we read about God that look completely different than other things we read about God. Just a heads up, children. Grown-ups, you probably know this to be true. Noah's Ark, God kills people for their sins. Jesus on the cross... God let us kill Jesus for our sins. Which one's right? Which one's most accurate? Here, let me give you a hint. Here's what Jesus said. I only do what I see the Father do. He also said, I only say what I hear the Father do. Say So when Jesus talks, who's really talking? God. When he does something, who's doing it? God. Did you want to say, did you want to say something? Say it loud. You're far away from me. Yes, God. So here's how we would say this to the grown-ups. Kids, I'm going to interpret this for you. Grown-ups, here's what this means. Jesus is perfect theology. If your theology does not look like Jesus, you are wrong. We, if our theology does not look like Jesus, we are wrong. Why? Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is God. Kids, here's how I would say this to you. Ready, kids? I would say, if you want to see God clearly, watch Jesus closely. When you see something different about God that you don't see in Jesus, Jesus is right. Always. Okay. Now, can somebody tell me where a kid? Someone tell me, 
in the Bible, where do we see Jesus? Where does he come in? Some of you older kids might know this. Where does Jesus show up in the Bible? Because it seems like he's not in the whole Bible. Where does he come in? In the front? Actually, you're right. But where do you see Jesus the person? Yeah, where? Yeah, you see him in the Bible. He's in heaven now, but we see him in the Bible. So here, let me explain. Adults, where does Jesus come in in the Bible? Say that again. In the manger, which is where? In the Old Testament or the New Testament? In the New Testament. But can I tell you, Jesus is not just in the New Testament. He's hiding in the whole Bible. Kind of like this person. This is my friend. Can you go to that second picture? This is my friend. This is a really important book for how to read the Bible. If you know how to read this book, you know how to read the Bible. If you don't know how to read this book, you don't know how to read the Bible. This is the most important book to go along with your Bible to help you know how to read it. Not some Bible dictionary, not some encyclopedia, not some Greek lexicon to help you understand the words. This book is the book to help you understand how to read the Bible. Why? Somebody tell me, what do you do when you read this book? What do you look for? Hello, are you guys here? Hello, hello. Kids, do you know, what book is this? Where's Waldo? Waldo? Okay, good. Where's Waldo? If you go to another country, they don't call him Waldo. They call him Wally. Where's Wally? He's not Wally. He's Waldo. Where's Waldo? So, okay, so let's, let's say... Let's say we're sitting down, we're reading this book. My kids used to love to read these books. Do any of you kids like to read these books? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked through the whole page and you're like, okay, look, there's that guy on the weird bike. There's a guy on a four-wheeled motorcycle. Here's a basketball hoop. That looks like a giant iron. There's a guy in a mirror. There's a guy on a swing. And we're looking, looking, looking. Oh, look, there's a whole team with words on the back. Oh, my goodness. There's people going through the open door. Okay. There's people in volleyball nets. There's people in pews. They look like they're in pews, but they're kind of like bleachers. Okay. All right. And we look and we look. And have you ever looked through the pages and you're like, what in the world? He's not here. Waldo is not here. How many of you have ever like searched the page and you get mad? Have you ever been mad at the books? Me, as a dad, I've been reading these books, and I've been so mad. I'm like, come on, we're coming back to this page later. I'm going to mark this page and come back because I have to find who? Waldo. If you see everything else in the whole entire book, but you don't find Waldo, you miss the entire point of the book. Where's Waldo? Here's how people read the Bible. (gasps) Let me read the Bible and learn leadership. Or actually worse than that, we just make a whole leadership Bible. So we go through the whole Bible and we're like, we want to learn leadership. So we look through for leadership. Like, oh, we want to learn how God talks. So we read and look for all the ways God talks. And these are all good. These are all fine. And we have the marriage Bible. Then we have the military Bible. Then we have the leader Bible. Then we have the... I don't know. We have all these different Bibles and we take the Bible and we look for certain topics and we don't realize there's only one person we're really, really supposed to be looking for. 
Jesus. So in Noah's Ark, we really focus on all the people that died in sin, that died in the flood. But we forget there was a person who got into a wooden boat, the ark, and brought his family in and recreated the entire population of the planet. You know where Jesus is in Noah's ark? Jesus is Noah, and we are his family. And when we believe in Jesus on the cross, we get into the ark. Are you with me? Jesus is hiding through the whole Bible. You listen, you know when, when Moses, he's everywhere. When Moses um, was going to set Israel free and Pharaoh was really mad, no, rah, he can't, you can't have him. And Pharaoh was mean and he kept on making the Israelites stay over and over and over. Can somebody tell me, what did God tell Moses to have the families kill? And they would kill something and put blood on the door. What did they kill? A lamb. Do you know Jesus is called the Lamb of God? So where's Jesus in the Moses story? He's the Lamb. When we have Jesus' blood over our family, we don't have the same effects happen to us that other people have. We are protected by the blood of Jesus. Jesus is hiding in those stories. So you can read those stories and look at all these different things, but the whole point of the story is I got to find Jesus. Hello. Are you here? Okay. If you, turn, if you read a story, you're like, man, I see this and this and this and this and this and this and this, but I can't see Jesus. Okay, I'm going to come back to this story and find him. I'm going to find him. In that book, you don't turn the page until you find him. And if you do, you come back and find him later. In this book, you don't turn the page until you find him. And if you do, you come back and find him later. Are you with me? You want to learn leadership? Find Jesus. You want to learn how to hear God's voice? Find Jesus. You want to learn how to pray for people? Find Jesus. You want to learn military? Find Jesus. Sometimes we study topics in the Bible because we forgot the topic of the Bible. Kids, just remember this. This is going to help you for a really long time. This is really going to help you. All right. Let's go to the next picture. Can somebody tell me what this is? What is that? A bunny. What do you, is, is that what you think? Bunny? Shadow? Bunny. All right, so we got bunnies and a bunny shadow. Oh, all right, good, good, good. Go to the next picture, please. What's this? Okay, raise your hands. Yes, a dove, a bird, a bird, a bird. Who thinks birds? Bird. Who thinks dove? Who thinks eagle? Who thinks turkey? That is not a turkey. Turkey's necks are way longer than that. All right, chicken. Who thinks it's a chicken? You think it's a chicken? Who thinks it's a parakeet? Who thinks it's a parrot? It's God with his wings. All right, so you got a bunny and birds. 
Or you have shadows, bunny shadow, bird shadow, dove shadow, eagle shadow. Let me tell you something. That is not a bird. It's not a wasp. What is it? Wait, wait, wait. Tell me this. Tell me this. Tell me this. All right. So, so this is called a, sh- this is a shadow puppet. So look, you can, s- maybe you can't. Okay. All right. Quick. What's this? All right, it's a dog. Okay, look, this is a shadow puppet. What happens if you take the curtain down? What do you see? Hands. Oh, that's not a bird. That's hands. Oh, that's not a bunny. That's hands. But when the curtain is up, all you see is a bunny or all you see is hand is a dove, a bird. When the curtain comes down, then we see what's really there. You know, actually, in the Bible, it says, here's what it says. To this day, when Moses is read, a curtain lies over people's hearts. But we, with unveiled face, which means the curtain has been removed, Behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Another verse says this. All the things in the Old Testament, there's so many things in the Old Testament, they are a shadow of the one who is to come. But then the curtain comes down. Actually, the curtain gets ripped when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain got ripped, and then you see who's actually on the other side. Jesus. We don't see God clearly unless the curtain is ripped. We only see shadows. If we read the Bible without looking for Jesus, we only see shadows of what was to come. We don't actually see the one who is to come. But when we, we can read the Bible, when we look at Jesus and we read the Bible, the curtain rips open and it's gone, and then we see clearly. Are you with me? Man, this is so good. One more picture, last picture, then we're going to do something really fun. I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible for your heart, not your mind. Have you ever seen the movie The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Who's seen it? Okay, kids, if you haven't seen it, some of you are young, so you probably haven't seen it yet or read the books yet. These are books from a guy in England named C.S., who knows, Lewis. So he was a theologian. That means he studied God and he studied the Bible. He was very, very smart. He taught in a, in a college, in a university. But he would write these kids' books. And he wrote this book about this little girl, Lucy, who goes into a room. She's hiding from a war and she's moved to this, this other city to get away from the war. And she goes into this room to hide. They're playing hide and seek. And she goes into this room and she pulls down that curtain and she goes into the wardrobe to hide. And she gets in there and she starts backing up. And all of a sudden, she's not in the wardrobe anymore. She's in a different world called Narnia. Okay? So if you're young and you haven't read these books or seen these movies, just tell your parents, whenever you think I'm ready, Let me watch those movies. Whenever you think I'm ready, give me those books. Because these books are really, really, really important. Are you with me? Yes, sir. 
you've seen the Narnia movies? You've seen them all? Just one. Which one? Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? So in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the little girl goes into the wardrobe and finds a different world. Right? The older kid, she comes back out of the wardrobe. She comes back and she goes, guess what? I was hiding and I went into a different world and I was gone for a really long time. But when I came back, it was the same time I left. And they're like, no way, that's a wardrobe. It's just got coats in it. It's just the old wardrobe. It has coats. It's not a door to another world. It's a closet for coats. And they don't believe her. They'd think it's just a wardrobe. Now, I went to C.S. Lewis's house. He's the guy that wrote the books. I went to his house. And I went upstairs. Upstairs in England, in his house, is where he wrote these books. At a desk. So I, I stood there at the desk. I thought, man, he wrote all those books right here. I went to his church. He always sat right over here next to, there's a pillar. He always sat right in the same spot. He didn't like people to sit next to him. So he sat right next to the pillar and his brother sat right next to him. He didn't want people. He always came late to church and he always left early because he didn't want to talk to people. This is what they told us. He sat always right in this spot, right over here next to a pillar. He'd sneak in late. He'd make a bunch of noise. He'd come in, get in a spot and sit there. Wouldn't let anybody else sit there. It was his spot. So I went to his church. I went to his home. I went to this pub where he used to talk with the guide, Tolkien. He wrote the, um, the Lord of the Rings, and they would meet and talk about their books. You read those books too? Or seen those? So Tolkien wrote those books. C.S. Lewis wrote these books, and they always used to meet at a pub and talk about their books. So I went to that pub. I went to the to the church. I went to the house. And when I went to the house, I was upstairs at the desk and I thought, man, this desk wrote some of the best stories ever about Aslan and about the evil witch and about the kids and about Lucy who found the door to another world where no other kid believed her. She found the door to another world. So I went, I left the desk I went back downstairs. I went into the kitchen. I was in his kitchen like, oh, this is really cool. Kitchen, all right, super old kitchen. Then I left the kitchen. I went into the hallway, and then I went into the room where he would have fires, and he would read the Bible, and he would study. It was his little study room that he would sit by the fire with his wife later and hang out, like the living room kind of. But he would sit. There was another little book desk there that he would read and do stuff like that. And as soon as I walked out of the kitchen, I was upstairs, I came to the kitchen, I left the kitchen. As soon as I walked out of the kitchen, through the hallway like this, and then I went into this other room, God told me, he said, "Um, you missed something in the hallway. I said, oh, I did? So I went back out, and I looked, and I looked in the hallway, and guess what was sitting right in the hallway? A wardrobe. And here's what God told me. He said, Seth, Everybody, every Christian has a wardrobe in their house, but they walk right by it because they don't know it's a door to another world. They think it's just a dusty old book with words on paper that that's what it really is. This is not words on paper. It is, but it's more than that. It's a door to another world. 
But if you read it with your mind, if you remember it in your mind, if you memorize words in your mind, then all you have is words that you remember on a page. But the Bible says what I talked about earlier just a little bit ago. I said the Bible says, your word have I hidden in my heart, not in my head. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What happens when we read with our head is all we do is read words on paper and we think this is just an old book with some really great stories, some really powerful stuff, but this is much more than a book. This is a wardrobe. This is a door to God's world. And the only way you can actually go into this story Go into this word, become this story. See, the Bible says the word is supposed to become who we are. It goes inside of us. We go inside of it. It becomes who we actually are. And we live out the stories that we read. But if we just read it with our heads, it's just an old book. I'm going to tell you the secret to reading the Bible with your heart. Kids, are you still here? Did I lose you or are you here? Okay. You're going to love those movies. If you haven't seen them, you're going to love them. They're amazing. These little children, when they go into the other world, they're not just kids. They're kings and queens. Listen to me, children. In this world, they were kids. In that world, they're kings and queens. In this world, you might be a little kid, but in God's world, you're a king and a queen. Parents, in this world, you might be a janitor or a well digger or whatever. You might be a fence builder. You might, well, who knows what you do in this world, but when you go into this one, you're a king and a queen. Hello, hello. Parents, hello. Are you here? This is not for the kids. And it is for the kids. Listen to this. This is a prayer in the Bible. It says this. Paul prays it. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This morning, we talked about the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. The difference between knowing the Bible and knowing the author. And this verse is saying, if you want to know God, God wants to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation means uncovering, taking away the curtain, ripping it down, ripping it apart, lifting it up, just getting rid of the curtain. If I have a water bottle right here and I take a cover and I cover it up, oh, I covered it up. You can't see what's there. It's there. You just can't see it until it gets uncovered, until it gets revealed. Here, you can't even see it anyway because it's way down there. So here's the water bottle. Ah, it's covered. You can't see it. But when God gives you the spirit that uncovers him, you know him. You see what's really there. The only way to really know God is to have this, this spirit that God gives, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Are you with me? Here's what the next verse says. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. 
Here's what that means. Our hearts have eyes. Our hearts can see. Not this heart. There's no eyeballs on your heart. Have you ever, like, thought about that? It's kind of weird. For kids, it's kind of weird. Adults just, like, read that, and then we're like, okay, whatever. I don't understand. Kids are like, my heart has eyeballs? The eyes of my heart? Wait a second. That means if they cut me open, there's eyeballs in there? How many? Four? Do I got four in here, two in here, one? Eye. It says eyes. It's more than one. There's eyes inside my chest beating in my heart. Do they blink when the heart beats? Weird stuff, right? This is stuff us only us kids think about. My heart has eyes. Here's what the word heart means in this verse. Here's what this, heart, this word means. It doesn't mean heart in here. I'm going to give you a lesson in Greek, a Greek lesson. Kids, I love to teach kids Greek and Hebrew because the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew. And in the Greek language, this word right here for heart, the eyes of your heart, it doesn't mean Here's what it means. The eyes of your imagination. So as kids, God wants to do this. God wants to say, here, let me put light. Let me uncover who I am through your imagination. Let me show you who I really am through what you see inside. Quick, everybody close your eyes really fast. Close your eyes. Picture your kitchen. Can you see your refrigerator? If you can see your refrigerator, I want you to raise your hand fast. Picture your refrigerator. Okay, hands down. If you can picture your bedroom, raise your hand. If you can picture your bed, raise your other hand. If you can see your walls, what's on your walls? Raise your hand. Okay, now walk out of your bedroom, go back into the kitchen, open up the fridge. If you can see the food in the fridge, what's in there? Look, this is us using our imagination to walk through our house. But you can use your imagination to walk through your other house. Here's the front door. Hello? Don't worry, it's not weird. It's actually in the Bible. Actually, God's first language, the, the, the language God uses to speak to people most in the Bible, the language God talks to people the most in the Bible is through visions, dreams, imaginations, Pictures in the imagination. When you dream, where does it happen? In your imagination. It's all throughout the Bible. The whole Bible's full of it. It's his favorite language. And then God says, if you want to know me, you need the spirit that re uncovers your heart, uncovers your imagination so you can see me. Jesus said, look at this verse. I'm just going to read it to you right out of the Bible. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. 
Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, as a little child, will by no means enter it. The older brothers and sisters of Lucy had a hard time entering Narnia because they were just too grown up in the way they thought. Because they thought it was just a wooden box full of coats. They didn't know it was another world until they became like a little kid like Lucy. This is why so many grown-ups read the Bible with their minds. This is why so many grown-ups, even though the Bible says, if you hide his word in your heart, you won't sin against him. This is why so many people who know the Bible still live in sin. Because the word's in their head, not in their hearts. Because they don't know how to go into the word. They don't know how to go into the word and find his world. They go into the word thinking, I'm going to find some coast. Ooh, nice, snuggly, warm. Oh, yeah, this would be awesome in the winter in Minnesota. Oh, this would keep me so warm. Wow. Oh, wait a second. If I just become like a little kid, I could go further in and find something else. I don't know about you, but my kids, they love movies. Kids, who loves movies? Some of our favorite movies are the Cars movies. Lightning McQueen, Mater. How many of you like Mater? Okay, good. I love Mater. Mater is so funny. The backwards driving and everything is mirrors. Remember, he's like, he can drive all backwards. When we watched that movie, my kids watched it a couple times on the screen. They watched it a couple times. But then here's what happened in our house. My daughter was like, Dad. I'm going to be lightning. You be mater. You got your tow cable, Dad? I said, you know I got my tow cable. She said, all right, we're going to race. And she told her brother, she's like, brother, you're um, Chick Hicks. All right, let's race. And they'd go around. And lightning, my daughter, she'd go, I am speed. Speed. And they'd, they'd race around the couch. They'd race around the sofa. And then, man, my daughter would be racing, and she would kick the sofa. Ah! She'd go, Mater, Mater, my tire. I blew my tire, Mater. And I would come up, and I would go, grab onto the tow cable. And I would grab her, and I'd say, come on, let's take you to Doc. And then we'd go to the kitchen to mom. Mom, you're Doc. Here, Doc Hudson, can you fix her up? What happened? They watched the story on the screen, but they, they never stopped watching the story on the screen. They never stopped watching the story on the screen. Whatever story we watch on the screen becomes what we live out. You always can tell what a person is watching on their screen by how they live. Always. Always, every time, 100%. You can tell what's going on inside by what's happening outside. Always. What happens when we get this happening on the inside? Eventually, it comes out. Hello, hello. Kids, when we watch Cars and we turn into different characters, like, oh, I'm Mater. In Cars, I am Mater. But in, this, in the Bible, you could be Peter, you could be John, you could go into Jesus' place, you could become Moses. Not that you actually become them, but you take their story as if you were there, and you watch it. You could become the person with leprosy, and Jesus could walk right up to you and touch you and 
your leprosy is gone. Why? This is not just a book. It's a door to his world. But the only way you go in is to be like a kid. And little kids watch a story once, and they never stop watching it again. So here's what we're going to do. Where's Lauren? Lauren, can you come? This is really strong. Is Lauren here still? There she is with the baby. I'm going to have Lauren just play a little bit of soft keyboard. And we're going to read a story with our heart. I'm going to show you how to read a story with your heart. You can do this with any story in the Bible. You can read a story and then go right in with your heart. You can open the wardrobe. You can open the door. And you can go into the story. You can become the story. You can be different characters. I've done it with all different kinds of people in there. One time, me and my kids... My kids were like, Dad, we don't want to read the Bible. I'm like, okay, no problem. Then bedtime came. Dad, tell us a story. Ooh, I'm going to tell you a story. You're in a boat, and the storm is crazy. And all of a sudden, you see somebody walking on the water, and you're all scared. Who is this walking on the water? Is that a ghost? You think it's a ghost, and the ghost talks, and it's not a ghost. It's Jesus. And I tell my kids this whole story, and in the story, my kids climb out of the boat and walk on the water, and they're looking at the water, and they look at the waves, and they're looking at, they can see that they're walking on water, but they're looking at Jesus, and they walk right to Jesus, and then my kids take their eyes off Jesus, and they start to sink Oh my gosh, I cannot tell you what happened to my heart well, as, soon as, I read, as soon as I read this story with my heart and they heard it with their heart. I watched my kids. I watched my kids. My kids were walking on the water. They're laying in bed with their eyes closed because my kids love stories. And as soon as I tell them a story, my kids are like, oh yeah, I want to watch it. My son, not so much. He's like, oh, I want to watch it. But he's watching it inside. I tell them a story. And so my kids are walking on the water to Jesus. They're laying in their bed, but in their imagination, in the eyes of their heart, they're walking on the water. And all of a sudden, I watch my child take, my kids, take their eyes off Jesus, and they start looking at the storm all around them, and they start to sink into the water. And I got nervous. Oh, no, what happens if my kids take their eyes off Jesus? Oh, no, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Oh, no, how big is the storm? Ah, and then I saw Jesus go, wham, and he grabbed my kids by their hands, and he just lifted them right back up before their head even got under the water. And as a parent, there was so much peace. I don't have to worry about my children taking their eyes off Jesus because Jesus will not take his eyes off them. If I move into fear of my kids taking their eyes off Jesus and paying attention to the storm, I'm already in disagreement with God. As soon as I start parenting in fear, I'm not parenting with God. Go ahead, Peter. Take your eyes off Jesus. Watch. Watch what happens, Peter. 
Hey, Peter, pay attention to the storm. Peter, pay attention to all the bad things happening. Peter, just go ahead and start to sink. Watch what happens. See, on the Internet, there's a picture of Peter all the way under the water, and he's, like, drowning, and Jesus is reaching down. It's totally wrong, according to the Bible. In the Bible, Peter is still talking when Jesus grabs him. Peter doesn't even get his head below the water, and Jesus grabs him and lifts him right up. I don't have to worry about my kids. This is what happened. In a moment, it happened. I was reading the Bible to my kids. With, I was just telling them a story with my heart, in their heart. And all of a sudden, this peace came. If my kids start to sink in the middle of a storm, Jesus will not let them sink. I had less faith in the storm and way more faith in Jesus. All of a sudden. Hello. 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 I don't know if you're hearing me. We're going to read a story. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm just going to tell it to you. It's only three verses. The last verse is this. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. I don't want you to, see the, to, to not enter the kingdom. So you have to become like a little child right now. You have to act like you're six, and you're going to watch a movie. That's what this is. I have to be like a six-year-old and watch a movie. Just not on the screen up there. So here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. I want you to picture yourself like a little kid with your parents. But you're in a really, really old town. Super old town. This town is 2,000 years old. You're going to go right back in time, 2,000 years. And you're with your parents. And you look off to the side, and there's a huge crowd giant crowd. Thousands of people are all gathered around. Some of them are sitting, some of them are standing, but they're listening to someone talk to them. And your parents say, oh, it's him. So your mom, she taps you on the back. She says, go, go up to him. Go up to him. You say, mom, there's a lot of people. Look at all those people. And your mom says, just go up to him. Just go up to him. You don't even know who it is. But she tells you, just go up to him. So you start to walk, and there's so many people. You're trying to squeeze through the crowd. Some of the people are sitting, so you're trying really hard not to step on their fingers. Don't step on anybody's fingers. Be careful. But you got to get through that crowd because your mom wants you to go to that man. It's Jesus. She wants you to go to Jesus so he can put his hands on you and bless you. All she wants is for him to bless you. So 
So you're paying really close attention to the ground, trying not to step on people's hands, when all of a sudden you feel a hand grab you on the shoulder and someone says, stop. Don't interrupt him. He's teaching. And you look up and it's a disciple. And the disciple said, says, don't you dare interrupt him, little one. He's doing something really important. He's teaching the grown-ups. Don't interrupt him. So you stop. My mom told me to go. Now this guy's telling me to stop. This guy's telling me Jesus has more important things to do than for me to come to him. This guy's telling me Jesus is too busy doing something else for me to come to him. Now you're all confused. And then you hear another voice. It's a little bit grumpy. It says, don't you stop that boy. Don't you stop that girl. Don't you stop that kid. Let that little child come to me. And all of a sudden, you feel the hand let go. And the whole crowd moves. You don't have to try to miss people's hands. You're not even close to stepping on their fingers because the whole crowd moves out of your way because Jesus interrupted the person who was interrupting you. Jesus interrupted the person who was interrupting you. And now the whole crowd has moved aside and you walk right up to Jesus. He kneels down, puts his arms around you, and picks you up. You forget the crowd is even there. You can hear his heartbeat. Your head's on his shoulder. You can hear his heartbeat. You can feel it beating. You can tell he's not in a hurry to get back to his sermon. He's not in a rush to put you down. He rubs his hands through your hair. He gives you a little tickle on your neck. He kisses you on the head. Some of you don't feel like God loves you. You need to close your eyes. If you feel like God doesn't love you, you need to close your eyes right now and you need to feel him hug you. Don't look at me. Don't you look up here. You close your eyes and put your head on his chest. You feel his kiss on your head. Some of you haven't felt his kiss ever. Feel his kiss. Some of you haven't felt his hug for 20 years. Feel his hug. Some of you have never felt his heartbeat. Feel his heartbeat. Some of you have never heard his whisper. Hear his whisper. He interrupted his whole sermon so that nothing could interrupt you. in a book anymore you're in his arms you're not just in his pages you're in his arms 
whisper something in your ear. He's going to tell you what he thinks about you. He's going to bless you. He's going to speak the most important words you've ever heard in your life. And he's just going to whisper them in a still small voice. He's going to say the exact opposite thing of what you've heard inside your head for so long. He's going to say the exact opposite because how he thinks about you is not how you've thought about you. And if how you think about you is different than how he thinks, you have to change. You didn't even remember how you got there. You're so aware of him. You're no longer aware of them. And he takes your head and he moves it back and he looks right into your eyes. You try to look away. He won't let you look away. He stares right in your eyes and says, eyes because they've never looked in his. He looks you right in the eyes and he says, I love you so much. I always have. I always will. My love for you is everlasting. And he gives you one good squeeze. He puts you down. He says, there, go to your parents. And you turn around and you notice that crowd. Oh, the crowd is still there. Oh, my goodness. And they all realize Jesus interrupts everything he's doing when a kid wants to come to him. They realize Jesus will interrupt anyone and anything that's trying to interrupt his children from coming to him. He's not interested in finishing his sermon. He's interested in starting his hug. His disciples are not supposed to be stopping children. They're supposed to be moving the way so they can come through. So you look at the crowd. You can see your parents in the back. And you walk right through the crowd, straight back to your parents. Okay, you can open your eyes. 
kids? Kids, don't ever learn to read the Bible just with your head. Use your imagination. Go into the wardrobe. Go into the story. Don't ever become a grown-up and think that this is just another book on the shelf, on the desk. Don't think that. It's a door. Adults don't ever become adults again. It's only the adults that don't enter the kingdom. It's only the kids who do. God, we just want we just want to know you. We just want to know Jesus. We don't want to know about Jesus, we want to know Jesus. We don't want to know about how he touched kids 2000 years ago. We want to be the kids he touches 2000 years later. God, I pray that none of us would become too grown up to turn your Bible into just a normal book. I pray that none of us would become so grown up we turn your Bible into a normal book rather than a door straight to you. Jesus, I pray that every time we get interrupted, you would interrupt the interruption. I pray that we would realize you would much rather hold us than finish your sermon. God, I pray that the eyes of our heart would, would be enlightened, that we can know you. that our imaginations would be full of your word. Our imaginations would be so full of your word we have no room for anything else. <laughs> that our, our, our screen would only be on your channel. Our screen would only be logged into your site. Our screen would only be touching your app. our screen would only be watching your world so your world can play inside of us until it plays outside of us and changes the outside world to look like the one playing in our hearts thanks God Jesus' name.
How's it good, amen? Um, at this time, we'd like to receive an offering for Seth's ministry. Um, ushers, if you have any, um, if you'd like to give cash in the offering tonight, go ahead and slip up your hand and the ushers will give you an offering envelope. If you'd like to write a check tonight, you can make it to Destiny Church. Whatever is given in this offering would go straight to Seth and his ministry. How are you enjoying having your kids with you in the service here? It's been good. I believe that's it's tremendous to be able to just soak in his presence as a family, isn't it? Let's take an offering in our hand and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow into your kingdom. God, we thank you for fruit that remains and a bountiful harvest as a result of the offering tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, they were sowing into the future, the future of people, the future of children and generations as we give tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Well, um, remember to come tomorrow morning, ready? Uh, Livewire will be in here sun, tomorrow morning. And so I look forward to being full in this room, full of people. And um, remember the sermons are on the internet through YouTube, go to our YouTube channel, and also on our website, destinychurchexit77.com, or no, .org, .org, so make sure that you go to that, and um, give someone a call tonight and say, hey, come to church with me, just invite them, bring them with you, I know they'll, um, God will touch their life, so um, you're free to go, be blessed, see you tomorrow. <laughs>